Rattler, deep drop, looking to throw. Has a shot. Marvin Mims wide open. Touchdown! Jevsky, blow! Oh, it's blocked! Roll it around at the seven, and it's picked up. Aguaybu got it. It'll be first and goal. Left, lobs for the end zone. It is intercepted. Woody Washington picked it off. Drop, steps up, throws late toward the end zone, caught, it's Stoops, Drake Stoops, touchdown, <laughs> the kid, rolling right, looking, throws, caught, Theo Weese, T-Weezy, it's so easy, and the Sooners are up eight, he has time, lob toward the end zone, it's intercepted, Trey Brown, you could unhitch the wagon, Oklahoma wins in four overtimes. Oh, mama, indeed. We have the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, Toby Rowland, talking bedlam with us. This is the Big 12 Bullets. I'm back after almost a month off because the process of selling my house, which is not as fun as it sounds, which is... Not as fun as it sounds, and it doesn't really sound fun. I'm back. I've got my podcast set up back uh, in my corner of my bedroom for now, and we're ready to talk some football. We did not have much football last weekend, but we have a massive game this weekend. And in fact, we have multiple massive games. We're talking Bedlam with Toby Rowland, so we'll save the preview of, of Bedlam for the interview. But before that, let's talk about the other games. The biggest one besides Bedlam is Kansas State, Iowa State, as we've talked about in the newsletter. This will go a long way in determining who is making the Big 12 championship game. And in fact, Bedlam and Iowa State, Kansas State will be the two biggest games in setting that trajectory up. Obviously, there's actually more games left in the season. uh, And in fact, you have a game like the Kansas-Texas game, which was postponed and will be even later in December than normal. So this is not the end of the season as often Bedlam is or or as close to the end of the season. But whoever wins those two games, if Iowa State wins, they are really in the driver's seat to make the Big 12 championship game. If Oklahoma wins, they're also sort of in that driver's seat. They, they should be set up to make that game pretty easily. Oklahoma State, same thing. And so... There's there's a lot riding on this weekend. Kansas State Iowa State is at three. I'm I'm thinking Iowa State wins that. Not, I wouldn't say easily because Kansas State's a tough team, but Iowa State's obviously been better and they are the better team. And I, I think they win that at home by uh, I will say by ten. I, I really don't anticipate that game being a Kansas State upset. If it is, we were really. Uh, <laughs> That throws a, a monkey wrench into things and makes things a lot more complicated on who makes the Big 12 championship game. But I'm going with Iowa State in that game. One of the main reasons Iowa State, I think, will probably walk all over Kansas State is Kansas State has said they barely have enough players right now to play. So the game might not, might not even happen. They might move it to that open date in December and play it then. But if they're playing it this weekend and Kansas State is not full strength, I think Iowa State wins that game. I said by 10, if they're really not full strength, it could be worse. I think Iowa State's really good, and they're clicking pretty well this time of year. So 
Kansas State winning that game would be a big upset, especially with their COVID situation. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. We get into the details with Toby, so I'm not going to uh, hammer on that one too much. But I'm thinking Oklahoma wins that game just because they typically do beat Oklahoma State. And I think uh, Oklahoma's defensive line will rattle Spencer Sanders, who... Uh, as dynamic as he can be is definitely the weak point of that amazing Oklahoma State offense. It's Bedlam game day, primetime in Norman, something that has never happened, which is really, really exciting. And so I think the interview with Toby was really good, so we're going to jump into that. But first, if you are a new listener to the Big 12 Bullets, uh, just a quick intro on me. I'm Scott Bedgood. I am a journalist, a writer, author, uh, and I do a Big 12 Bullets newsletter, which you can sign up for at Big12Bullets.com. In addition, I wrote a book called Lessons from Legends, where I interviewed Barry Switzer, Steve Spurrier, Tom Osborne, R.C. Slocum, Vince Dooley, Terry Donahue, Barry Alvarez, Phil Fulmer. Anyway, the four words by Bob Stoops. So the book is full of all kinds of college football knowledge and stories, and it's really, really interesting Uh, If you are looking for a Christmas gift to buy for a dad or a brother or a son or a wife or a daughter or anyone who is really interested in college football, this book is the perfect gift for Christmas. So make sure to order it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you buy books. You can order it. It's called Lessons from Legends. So get that today. Now let's get into our interview with Toby Rowland. And I'm excited to welcome in the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners entering his 10th or in his 10th season as the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, Toby Rowland. How's it going, Toby? It's going good. How are you today? I am excited. Uh, the, the bye week and the very slow week in general last weekend has got me even maybe more excited for a, a real uh, weekend with a real big game. How about you? I'm with you. Uh, one week of build up to Bedlam especially one of this import is uh, a lot of fun two weeks is almost more than you can handle by the time saturday night 6 30 gets here i'll be coming out of my skin this this should be fun it's it's almost like the super bowl where you get like two full weeks of, of right. discussion and breaking it down from every possible angle so before we uh, get into that uh, just for the people who aren't uh, familiar with you uh, how did you become the the voice of the Sooners? And um, I guess, what is your favorite memory in the 10 years that you've been doing this? Oh, boy, that's a tough question. Um, I, I uh, went to Southern Nazarene University, which is in Bethany, Oklahoma, there in the Oklahoma City area, and uh, was their play-by-play voice when I graduated for uh, a few years. And so that's kind of where I got my start, but after that, went to Channel 9, the CBS affiliate in Oklahoma City for about a decade, and uh, was a television anchor and reporter, and kept my toe in the play-by-play water. I kept calling things on the side for uh, high schools, small colleges, and OU. Got to know the folks at OU, and did some games for them, uh, television games, basketball, softball, baseball, whenever they needed some extra help. And in uh, 2009, I was fortunate enough to uh, be hired as the sideline reporter for the football broadcast, along with Bob Barry and and Merv Johnson. And what a thrill that was for a kid who grew up in Mustang, Oklahoma, and uh, grew up such a huge Sooner fan my whole life, listening to Bob Barry and John Brooks to be a part of that Sooner broadcast was just a dream come true. 
uh, even as the sideline reporter, I mean, what a fun job that is to be down there in the middle of the action and to have the post-game interviews with players and coaches. But two years later, uh, Bob Barry announced his retirement, and so we threw our hat in the ring, and and by some good fortune and God's grace, we were we were chosen. And um, I thank my lucky stars, as well as Joe Castiglione and David Bourne and Bob Stoops and everybody involved in that decision that they put some faith and they, uh, uh, you know, probably too young and probably not experienced enough broadcaster back in 2011 because the last 10 years have just been amazing i I knew it would be life-changing for us but had no idea i mean it's been so much even more than we anticipated and and we anticipated big things how old were you when you got the job 37 oh wow that is i mean that's young in in terms of that big of a job for um you know especially taking over for a guy like bob barry sure yeah, it is, um, and it seemed really, really young at the time, but we had a head football coach that was 33 that got hired around here not long ago, so <laughs> it, seems, uh, it seems older now than it did back then. Yeah, well, maybe Joe C. has a, has a pretty good idea of what he's doing when he hires these younger guys. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I, I don't know if I, I guess I probably didn't tell you this, but I, I graduated from OU in 2013. Um, so I was there when a lot of that transition was happening. When you look back now, almost 10 years later, what do you, is there anything that, that you are like super proud of or anything that you're like, I, I, I don't know if I would have done that the same way now that you have all this experience. Uh, there's a lot of that. Yeah, sure. I think that, um, it probably took me about a year to really settle in and find my voice. I, it was, um, you know, I had, I had more experience than a lot of people knew because of everything I did at Southern Nazarene through the years and, um, and beyond that, but it, it, to step into the shoes of someone like Bob Barry and, you know, a job that has been the starting point for giants like Walter Cronkite and Kurt Gowdy and John Brooks and Mike Treps and certainly Bob, um, that's daunting. And I think I spent about a year, uh, kind of wrapped up in the comparison there. You know, I was trying to trying to, to be Bob or I was trying to be John. And and it took me a while to kind of settle in and just be Toby. And uh, once I found that comfort zone and uh, and realized I was never going to be as good of a Bob Barry as Bob Barry is, and I'm never going to be as good of a John Brooks as John Brooks is, but they didn't hire me to do that. They hired me because of uh, what they saw in me and that, that, you know, it took a few games for that to really kind of settle in. And I think that's understandable. So I, I wish I had been able to, um, you know, a little from day one, um, not worried about the comparisons, um, because I would have been the same way. You know, I listened to Bob for so long that whoever was after him was going to sound different. I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. And Marty Brenneman was their play-by-play voice for 40 years. And I grew up listening to Marty. Thousands of games called by Marty. And he just retired. They got a new guy this year. His name's Tommy Thrall. And he's fantastic. But it's hard for me to listen to somebody other than Marty Brenneman call Reds games because it's been such a big part of my life. Really doesn't matter how good Tommy is. It's just it takes an adjustment period. So that that early year or so, I, I wish I had, you know, 
been a little more relaxed and confident in myself early on. But all in all, I'm proud. I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm really proud of the team that we built around us. Um, the football crew, the basketball crew that we have assembled over the last decade, I think is the best in the country. And I know I'm biased. <laughs> man, I mean, the on-air guys are phenomenal, okay? Chris Plank is sensational at what he does on the sidelines. I think Teddy Lehman has quickly become a premier college football analyst. Gabe Eichert, who we've added in the last couple of years, brings an element of analysis and humor to our broadcast. But the guys you don't hear on our broadcast, like our spotter, Greg Blackwood, our statistician, Dennis Kelly, our engineers, Drake Dyken and Michael Dean, uh, certainly Kevin Henry, my partner in basketball, they are so good at what they do that it makes my job really quite easy. I mean, I just have to show up and tell folks what I see on the field and, and they do all of the heavy lifting. So I'm proud of the team that, that we've built. Absolutely. It's it. Uh, I live in Dallas now, so I don't get as much of an opportunity to hear the radio broadcast, but as a guy like you that grew up listening to baseball on the radio and uh, you know, there's just something, you know, something about it that that's always really yeah. um, special as a sports fan uh, one last question about you know your career before we jump into to Bedlam. Uh, you have these catchphrases, you know, unhitch the wagons and all these things. How much workshopping went into those kind of things like that when you're a broadcaster? How much do you test that out on family and friends before you debut it on the air? Uh, it's a great question. Um, I my my general philosophy is if you think about something and try to pre-plan it there's a 99% chance it's going to be, it's going to come out corny. <laughs> and so it needs to happen organically. And, um, you know, 99% of the time, that's what's happened. There was one thing that I remember early in my career, I was playing football with uh, my boys in the front yard. I got, I got two then teenage boys. Now they're in college. And we were playing football in the front yard, and I, I threw a pass to one of them, and he was running all over the place with his other brother trying to catch him. And we had just watched a movie called Over the Hedge. I don't know if you remember. It was an animated movie. And I said, you look like that squirrel on caffeine running around. And one of my sons said to me, that's funny. You should use that. <laughs> so uh, we, we referred to Roy Finch. You remember Roy Finch? Oh, yeah. Finch, a little, little Roy little Finch. Guy that used to play for us as the caffeinated squirrel during his career here. And, and that was fun. So that was kind of something that was pre pre-planned, but that's, a, that's about it. You know, the unhitch the wagon thing. Um, like I said, uh, I go back to Marty Brenneman with the Cincinnati Reds for that Marty on the final out of every Reds victory for 40 years said, and this one belongs to the Reds. And as a fan, that became a big deal and something you looked forward to. And I hung around for, you know, even if it was a blowout, I would hang around to hear Marty say, and this one belongs to the Reds. And I thought that's cool. It would be neat if I could come up with something like that for OU games, but never really got hit with any genius and didn't want to force it. But early uh, the first year at OU, uh, we were hosting, I think it was Ball State. I'd have to go back and look, but it was one of those 
rum dumb non conference games <laughs> when they were blowing them out, and it was in the third quarter. And you know how the the ponies carry the the yeah. schooner around the field after every touchdown. Well, OU scores another touchdown to go up sixty three to seven or whatever it was, and here comes the ponies and the wagon onto the field for the tenth time. And I said, it's probably time to unhitch the wagon and put the ponies in the barn. And and it got put on a highlight, and it kind of stuck. And people liked it, and I thought, huh, that's not bad. Let's try it again the next game. And when there is that moment that is, you know, victory is secured, let's, let's see if it's got any legs. And we did, and it's kind of stuck. So... It happened organically, but I think there was a realization that, that when it happened, that, that might be something that might work. Um, same, same, case, same kind of thing with Omama. I don't say Omama near as much as people think I do. It just happens on <laughs> it happens on big highlights, so it gets replayed a whole lot. I've said it one time this year. Wow. Um, what does that say about was, this year, I guess? Well, <laughs> I, 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 most years I probably don't say it more than, you know, eight or 10 times it just gets on it's on the biggest plays and so those get replayed a lot but um it's just something you know i'm a son of a i'm a preacher's kid from mustang oklahoma and we kind of you know we say things like oh mama dad gum and things like that so it just came flying out one day and it's kind of stuck so you know uh, sometimes there are moments that you see coming that you know is going to need a big call um, and you can think about it a little bit, maybe like the Samaj P. Ryan record-breaking performance when you you see as the day's going along, hey, he may break this record. What am I going to say when he does? But most of the time, they're impromptu and moments that you can't foresee coming, and you just got to try to say the right thing at the right time, and, and hopefully you do. That reminds me, I uh, when I was in college, I got a chance to work the uh, Byron Nelson and uh, for CBS, and I was uh, teamed up with David Faraday one day. Sure, yeah. And uh, it was the day Jordan Spieth was a 16-year-old playing the Byron Nelson. And uh, this is Sunday, and about hole five, Faraday starts in commercial breaks antagonizing Jim Nance. Like, hey, Jim, what cliche thing are you going to say when Jordan finishes his round? And he's just, just – ruthless with him all day well what, what are you gonna say and then uh i think what he said what he ended up saying was uh jordan at the buzzer when he made his you know last putt to finish you know five under and Faraday was just I mean, he just thought it was the funniest thing ever i mean it, it it reminds me of just like okay he had a long time to think about that one yeah. and it, it, it probably wasn't as natural as it could have been but Faraday was all over him about it it was really funny yeah, that's funny um okay so let's get into bedlam Every Bedlam game is big. To me, this is one of the biggest ones in, in several years because both teams are really good. I could see both teams winning it. I don't think either win is an upset. What do you think makes the difference in this game? Well, um, I, I think that there is an apparent advantage on paper, statistically anyway, uh, of the OU defensive front against the OSU offensive line. Uh, the last three and a half games, that OU defensive front has really come on. And especially since the addition of Ronnie Perkins back in, 
uh, Perkins and Perion Winfrey and Isaiah Thomas and Nick Benito. And more than that, they've got great depth up there. Stripling and Kelly and Stokes and Ellison and Grimes. Um, their sack numbers are through the roof. The quarterback pressure has been through the roof. They've caused turnovers on the back end. And the OSU offensive line, by contrast, has been a little shaky. They've had injuries and opt-outs, and they've had to shuffle guys around. So on paper, that's an area where you say OU's got a chance to make Spencer Sanders miserable or to force him into some mistakes. And if they can do that, I think Oklahoma's got a really good chance of winning this game. If OSU can figure out a way to block them up, if they can be better on the offensive line, maybe they keep some of those big cowboy backs in to help or some running backs in to chip and help and figure out a way to slow down that OU pass rush, then they've got home run hitters on offense. Chuba Hubbard, obviously, Tylen Wallace, L.D. Brown's having a great year, um, Dylan Stoner. So the OSU skill weapons are as good as, you know, anybody not named Alabama in the country, probably. Mm -hmm. So the, but if they don't have, if Spencer Sanders doesn't have time to get them the football, then it, it's not going to matter much. So for me, that's the, there's a, there's a lot of matchups you could look at, but that's the biggest one. How much, um, how effective can OSU's offensive line be at, keeping spencer sanders jersey clean uh if they can't if if uh, that pass rush can get home a lot on saturday then then i think oklahoma's gonna have some some luck what about on the other side i mean the exact opposite matchup obviously oklahoma's offensive line has played better but it has been uh certainly not as strong as is in recent years and then oklahoma's young spencer at quarterback um in some of these big games has been prone to, to throwing some interceptions sure. and, and making some freshman type decisions. Uh, how, how do you see that matchup going? I think Oklahoma state's legit on defense. Um, this will be the best defense OU's face this year. Okay. This will be the hardest time moving the football that Spencer Rattler will have had uh, in his brief tenure. And the key for him is going to be to, to be patient. You know, I don't know that the big over-the-top plays are going to be there all the time. I don't know that the quick three, four, five-play scoring drives are always going to happen. Uh, you're going to have to be okay settling for your check down. You're going to have to be okay on third and six, sometimes throwing it away and punting and playing field position because they they are experienced. OSU is on defense. Uh, they all know the system well. They know their roles. They hit you hard. They are very physical. They're good at, at taking away the ball. So I think I think OU, OU's offense is good enough that they'll move the ball and put up some points. But Spencer Rattler's got to fight the urge to force it. You know, they're, uh, don't don't throw it into a double team. Throw it away. Punt. We'll try again next time. Uh, if the bomb isn't there, it's okay to check down to your running back. Um, so ball security on that end, you know, don't lose the turnover battle. It's pretty easy to see with Oklahoma state. The last two games, they should have beaten Texas, but turned it over five times. They probably should have lost to Kansas state, but Kansas state turned it over 
two or three times. And one of them led directly to a touchdown. So, um, you know, you, you could be better than a team. And I think Oklahoma is the better team in this game. But if you give them a two turnover advantage or more, you're just asking to get beat. So before the Texas game with Oklahoma not playing well, I uh, shaved my beard into a mustache and I said, if Oklahoma wins this game, I'm going to keep this mustache until they lose. So my question to you is, will I be shaving on uh, Saturday night or will I have to keep this mustache for the rest of the season? Uh, I'm going to, uh, well, you're definitely, I'm going to say both <laughs> because you've got to shave to keep it just a mustache, right? And not to allow the beard Correct. to go in. Oh yeah, no, I've, I've been just, keeping it clean. I've been keeping it clean. You'll still have the mustache. You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not too much into, uh, making predictions. Uh, that just asks you to be roasted of on course. social media of afterwards in this profession. If you do. I think I think going in um, that Oklahoma is right now playing better football than Oklahoma State. That doesn't mean they'll win the game, but the way that you know things have can gradually improved for them, pretty much across the board. Running game has gotten better. Spencer Rattler has played better. The defense has gotten better. The pass rush has gotten better. The turnover margin has gotten better across the board from the second half of that Texas game on they have gradually gotten better and better and better and I don't know that you can say the same right now about Oklahoma State now it could all click for them on Saturday Um, that's certainly possible but it's been a bit of pulling teeth you know they've been in a lot of close games uh, couldn't pull the Texas one out found a way against K-State hung on against Iowa State. They've just kind of been getting by a little bit. I don't feel like they've been getting better and better recently. Again, it could click for them on Saturday, and they may be dynamic. But I think going into this game, if you honestly just kind of unbiasedly look at the two teams, you say Oklahoma's playing better coming into this one. We'll see whether or not that results in victory or not. Right. The one thing I'm concerned about as a OU fan is just that it seems like the team is clicking on all cylinders, but how many of those sort of facets are more of a mirage from playing easier teams, whereas Oklahoma State's played, you know, the two teams that beat OU and then the team that took OU to four overtimes. Um, I I would be very curious to see how that all washes out on Saturday. Yeah, could be. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. It could be. They could get out there and OSU hits them in the nose, uh, on, and they say, "Whoa, this is this is different." And suddenly, all that confidence goes out the window. But you know, whether it is against um, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs or against Air, you know, when you build confidence and momentum like they have over the last three and a half games, I think it's worth something. So I think they they're going into this game. OU is believing they're getting really good on defense are they not i don't know osu may expose them on saturday we'll see but i think they at least come into this game with more confidence and momentum than they've had all year and i think that's especially important with a freshman quarterback too sure you know it was it was tough starting against uh kansas state and iowa state like those are those are pretty tough welcomes to the conference and welcomes to college football so that probably wasn't great for his confidence 
Um, well, Toby, I really appreciate your time today. Have fun on Saturday. We'll all be looking forward to it, I'm sure, as much as you are. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Thanks again to Toby for that great interview. Uh, sorry if I nerded out a little bit as a uh, broadcast guy, as a journalist, talking to him about how he got his start and uh, just the things that he went through replacing a legend and, and how he did that. Um, if you're not aware, Bob Berry Sr. was long time, the long, long time radio voice of the Oklahoma Sooners and just as iconic as you could be in that profession in Oklahoma. And so Toby replacing him was a big deal. Uh, I remember that happening when I was in school. So it was cool to talk to Toby about that and kind of look back now, um, basically 10 years later, uh, and get his thoughts and his his um, reflections on that time and, and how it's been since. And so uh, let's get excited for a little Bedlam action this weekend. Uh, we always are crossing our fingers that the games won't go off these days. But if it does, I think it's going to be a great, great game. Don't forget to order my book, Lessons from Legends, if you haven't already, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Give me a rating if you haven't done so already. And uh, if you want to read the newsletter, uh, this week's was short because there was nothing to talk about from last week, but we are previewing games on the podcast, and this game, Bedlam, is a big one. Iowa State, Kansas State is a big one, and it's going to be an exciting weekend. So next week, we'll have a, a good breakdown of those exciting games in the newsletter. So I'll talk to you guys next week, hopefully on the podcast, if I'm able to do one over Thanksgiving week. I'm not sure if I will be, but you'll definitely see my breakdowns in the newsletter, big12bullets.com. This is the Bed Goods Big 12 Bullets. <laughs>